Oh, we are back. We're here. How are you doing, Val? I'm good. I am, I'll be honest, I'm a little tired after a busy Halloween weekend. That's right. We have just dated the podcast. Yeah. By I like being honest. Okay. I'm currently tired. In this moment, I'm a little tired, even though it's probably not going to be Halloween weekend whenever you listen to this. Valerie, but... it's not even there's Halloween no t- yet. There's no time in podcast. It is world. October 30th. It's true. That's how it always happens, but you know. Well, that's because I saw you at Fred again on a Wednesday before Halloween weekend even. Yes. It's been a long week for you. And Fred again's still going as we speak. Multiple days. But um, I'm good. Overall, I think, you know, as we're talking about it, it's a busy time. A lot of good shows. A lot of fun things are happening. So Valerie and I were at Fred again, and then she texted me right as it started saying, not a phone in sight, just vibes. Oh my gosh, I know. If anyone listening went to the Fredigan shows, hopefully. Actually, I did have another person say that they thought about our episode where we talked about phones when everyone had their phone up at Fredigan. So. Well, people did. I think that there was, a, <laughs> I think there was an appropriate there. amount of phone and then phone restraint. I think, you know, during some of his more emotional moments in the mm. set or like stuff. But yeah, there were there was also a decent amount of phones. There's, but, there's moments, yeah. But good. I think that some of the observations are Relevant. permeating now yes. throughout the year. Uh, yes, they are. Um, but yeah, we we had a busy week and weekend, but mm-hmm. very chill, cool episode with Vanessa. Who yeah. Came in. Yes. Vanessa, who is a up and coming star slash already kind of here star. Um, I feel like I first got to know her from the Dirty Bird universe. And it's been really cool to see her start as like a name that you kind of saw in support to really now she's on her own headlining tour. And we got to hear a little bit about her rise and where she comes from. And it's exciting, exciting time for her. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. SoCal native who started in kind of the bar and club scene and just kind of theme parties, which we talked about. That was actually (laughs) one of my favorite parts of the episode is talking about you know, theme parties and like their role in the ecosystem then and now yeah. as she has a really cool one that is New Year's Eve related. I'll, we'll have her yes. describe. Yeah, um, no, exactly. She's, I think she definitely qualifies as one of those people who has been around the club and music scene for a really long time, even before her own career as a musician and artist. So I really appreciate when people like that kind of find their own spotlight because I think it's really valuable when you come in with like an understanding of the space around you and you really value like what the experience is like for attendees. I think it just makes like their shows like that much better. So yeah, 100%. So it, I love talking with veterans uh, that have kind of started, I mean, even from bands, right. Mm -hmm. She started in a band. We've talked to numerous people that have had that like kind of evolution in their lives. So it's, uh, it's always cool getting to, to chat with artists in that in that space and especially just making that transition to being a headliner now uh really excited to share this episode with you yeah enjoy our chat with vanessa you're like okay um what did you dress up for as halloween did you dress up for anything this weekend um I did i had a show with mary droppins in seattle at monkey loft and we were teaching chong <laughs> That's so cute. Did people recognize you guys? Or did you have to do explaining? Uh, I mean, I think they got the gist of it. Yeah, because I feel like it's a costume that maybe most people would be like, you're dressed up as something. But I yeah. don't know what you are. In the spirit. Yeah. I'm going to sound on Tuesday for Justin Martin, too. Me and my friend are going to dress up as this cat. 
as he's, his cat. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Wait. I know he has a very he has multiple cats. Yeah. He has like this white one that has like this smushed face and it's like super fluffy. And then he has this like orange, he has an orange one. one yeah. It's like wild. Yeah. Because yeah. I have a funny story about I know he has an orange one because mm-hmm. my orange cat Leo used okay. to belong to Ardalon. Wait. You have Artie's. I cat? have Artie's cat. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am Dude, I know that cat. Yeah. When he got that yeah. cat during COVID, like <laughs> we were doing like the Twitch stuff for like yes. our, our good TV channel. Mm-hmm. And I he he's like, we gotta make Leo emotes or whatever. Yeah. I was like sitting there like cutting out pictures <laughs> of his cat for like hours and hours and then we didn't end up using them. But <sighs> Yeah, I but I know Leo really was know that a star cat. on the Twitch channel. I yeah. know that for a fact. Yeah, so he lives in my house Oh my now. God, how's Leo? <laughs> He's great. He's the best. He's huge and orange, and I love him so much. Does Ardalan ever go see him? He d- has, but Artie also does this funny thing where he will say that he's coming over. He's done this at least maybe like six times, and then he I doesn't exact- come over. But I send I know him- exactly what you're talking about. Yes, yeah, exactly. You so, know. I mean, he's just a normal person from L.A.? Yeah, yeah. He's really he's leaning into cat his- cat dad. Yeah. That's what he is. <laughs> Dead be cat we do dad. make fun of him for that, but I sent him invoice him for like child support. <laughs> oh my god, DBCD. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he gets lots of Leo updates though. So oh, that's he's very good. happy about that. But it's I love unsolicited. That yeah, yeah. I'm just like, remember this guy? Remember this guy? This cat? In Where's your life? our child support? <laughs> I'm gonna ask him about that. Yeah, bring it up next time. Now that you know, um, you can charge him like back back like fees on that. Like, yeah, the interest. you're right. I never <laughs> thought true. about it. It's some money. It's some money from him. <laughs> Be like already. Besides the guest list for life, I need. All this money for taking care of Leo. How to exploit RD 101. That's what this is. I'm into it. I'm into it. I didn't realize that he had such a famous cat now. Because, I mean, if you had to actually construct emotes for this cat, it had yeah. to be pretty yeah. famous. Yeah, he was a star. He was like, I think he would like kind of like lay on the decks or something. Like, RD said I he mean, was like really mean, Justin into also got an orange cat that used to do that too. So, <laughs> which one? Things. I don't know. Yeah. But, I know, I, you know, I read that orange cats are like actually like way crazier than regular other cats like i've heard that too i will say leo's pretty normal i think compared to most orange cats but i like the lore that orange cats are kind of crazy i like that too yeah yeah, it makes me want to get an orange cat yeah do you have any pets yourself or no not really no i feel like i just travel too much to have any pets really yeah sometimes i dog sit my friend's dog for like a day or two yeah which is really nice because you get to cuddle with them and and then like Going back after a few yeah. days. <laughs> You're like, yeah. And I got to go now. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, other than that, like, I really want to get a dog eventually, but yeah. it'd have to be like once like touring and all that slows down because yeah. I want it to have a good life. And yeah. I just feel bad. I would feel bad leaving every weekend, you know? And you said that you have basically been touring every single weekend since yeah. like spring? Yeah. 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 And then I started this tour that I'm on right now, the Hell Freezes, my Hell Freezes Over tour. There's only two stops left, but I've been like every single weekend. So, um, but I mean, it's been going really well and I'm excited, but hopefully like one day I'll get a dog, but. Hey, but you're responsible that you can identify that that is, you know, you want to be there and, you know, understand how. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you just want, I just want an animal that will have a good life, you know, even a, even a goldfish, like you have to feed him every day. Like I don't. That's true. I can't do it. No. You know? yeah. That's one of the biggest deterrents because of, the, of this lifestyle is to really. It is interesting though when DJs do have pets, mm-hmm. um, like you're because you're gonna literally dress up as a DJ's pet. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's how you know that that's a real fan if they yeah. know the pets' names. Yeah, you know? definitely. Because like that was a product of COVID too of um, lockdown. Is like everyone got familiar with the pets because they're in the live stream. Yeah, totally. I think like if you had a pet like with somebody, like yeah. it then. It, 
you know, it'd be easier. But I have a lot of plants, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that requires just as much, you know, I mean, care. I care for them, and they're, they're doing alive. really well, and... Most of them are doing really well. <laughs> there's like, there's like one occasionally of them that, there's a fallen soldier, but it yeah, happens. but they, you know, and it, that makes me happy. Like coming home and saying, "Oh my god, my plants are still doing really well." Like, yeah, I know it's not a pet, but still, I really it's alive. like my plants. I think that's where you got to start. You got to start with the plant. That's where yeah. I and then you can go oh, yeah. to like maybe a smaller creature, maybe like a gerbil. I don't know. <laughs> a gerbil. And then, <laughs> and then cat dog is like that real. That's like that. That's commitment. Ser- that's a tier like below me. human. I have cats, and I will say I'm I'm more home than a touring artist would yeah. be. But I have a fully automated house, which helps oh. a lot. Like yeah, the food what is automated. You've got that, that space age the litter feeder. box is automated. Yeah, yeah, what? and it helps a lot. I will say it's a little. So we're living in the future. Yeah. <laughs> I will yeah. say I'm living in the cat. Future. My fridge doesn't even make ice. Like mine doesn't either. I will say that is like. Wait, the why next are level. we living like mine this? doesn't? Mine doesn't either. Just want to be. Wait, clear why on are that. we living like this? Well, you know, you got to pick your luxuries my, in LA. My you know? my, my right? fridge. I have, I have in unit washer dryer. Me so too, like that's that's better. I will take that over. Yeah, having true. A fridge. Yeah. That well, I mean, you I, you guys just have the fridge that was in the unit, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's why. I I yeah. looked up other fridges though. Like nothing else fits in that space. <laughs> It's true. You're like, I really tried to solve this problem. Yeah. That's true. Okay. I just want ice. Enough about our houses. How how has it been for you touring? Because I know you've been touring now for a couple years. Mm -hmm. Is this year a bigger year of touring for you than before? Um kind of. Yeah. I feel like the past two years I've just been like really heavily touring. Um this year I feel like bigger, it's been bigger in a sense of I guess purpose because it. W- I just did my. F- I'm in actually the end of my first like headline tour, mm-hmm. which I've never done before. I've headlined a bunch of clubs and stuff like that, but I've never just done like a full headline tour. So I'd say it's bigger in that sense. Um, and I feel like I'm as busy as I was last year. So like still like really busy. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's been good, and you know I just feel like. The touring, I feel like it makes a big difference when you're like have friends come with you. Like I've had like Mary Droppins on a few stops and like Kyle Kinch and Nala and like it just makes such a big difference. Like seeing people you know and like getting to hang out and stuff. Cause when you're in the middle of like touring, it's kind of like you're just seeing like tons of faces and you're alone a lot. And then you're around a ton of people and then you're like back to being alone. So it's kind of like a jarring experience in a way. Yeah. But it's like really nice to just see familiar fa- faces and just like get to hang out with your friends and people you know. So yeah, that's I feel been, like, like integral for me. That must be, I mean, I was going to say what the difference is between a headliner tour versus going to shows and playing them. And that is the nice part is like you get to choose who you bring. Yeah, home exactly. You, it like makes a huge difference. Yeah. And like, yeah. And just like getting to book your friends. That's like, <laughs> it's like so cool to me. Like, yeah. Like, we can go do, like, live out our dreams and, like, do it together. Like, this is fucking awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that is really cool. Well, I'm curious because I know that you're from the Southern California area, Mm -hmm. right? Originally, you grew Mm -hmm. up not in L.A. Uh, Orange County. Like, I grew up in Newport Beach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was it like for you when you were kind of growing up? Were you always, like, a music kid or? Um, Kind of, yeah. I mean, I started playing instruments when I was really young. Like, I was in orchestra and band and stuff. What did you play? Um, well, like when I was really little, I started with piano when I was like, I don't know, like seven or something and did lessons. And then I did cello in the orchestra and then I did clarinet and band and then like the high school band. Mm -hmm. And then 
I started playing, like, I wanted to start, like, an actual, like, rock band. So I played a little bit of guitar, and then I finally settled on, like, drums, and I started taking lessons, and then I played drums in, like, a few, like, rock and indie bands. And then from there, just started DJing. Wow. (laughs) So were you, like, into rock music when you were young? Yeah, I was really into, like, heavy metal and, like, I got really into just, like, the darkest, like, you know, like, Norwegian, like, black metal. Like, it was just, like, like death metal kind of stuff. Like, I know, I don't know. And, like, I don't know, I used to go to, like, a lot of, like, like, surf punk shows and stuff when I was, like, living in Newport. And to go to, like, the Vulcan parties, and they always had, like, these, like, cool, like, rock and punk bands. So I would go to those parties all the time. So I feel like that was, like, like, a big influence on me when I started, like, really liking, like, metal and stuff like that. But the bands, the band I played in was, like, indie rock, though. It wasn't, it wasn't heavy, really. You weren't doing the Norwegian No, I mean, I could (laughs) never play like that. That, the stuff they do is, like, so technical. I I was not that great of a drummer. I mean, Orange County also has, like, a rich history in, like, ska and punk and, like, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was recently watching, like, a lot of, like, the, um, original No Doubt stuff. Yeah, with, like, Sublime and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I did. I, you know, there were a few uh, local ven- like venues around that had a lot of like cool bands like that, like, like in- a lot of indie bands, too. When mm-hmm. I started going out to shows, um, I there was this venue called Detroit Bar and like they had all these like bands that became like really big and you could see them before they were big and like these in this tiny venue it was like probably as big as this room. And like <laughs> I saw Modest Mouse there. Like, oh, that's sick. Like, oh, wow. like stuff like that was really cool to like be able to see but yeah yeah i feel like that might have been like a big influence and in, like why i liked like the metal bands and stuff like that so when you got you transitioned into djing was it mostly like did you start out on vinyl or did you start out doing like house stuff or um no i i started out doing like house i've always kind of i've always been like a house dj like over anything but yeah i started off with house just on cdjs i mean i didn't know anyone that like spun vinyl or even knew I didn't know anything about it all I knew is like I was you know playing drums in like a few bands and kind of on the outs with my band like fighting whatever rehearsals you know we all live together too yeah, was, like, this whole, <laughs> yeah and it's like you know trying to schedule like you know five people to get together at least once a week we all have different jobs it's like so hard so mm-hmm. there was a lot of tension and I kind of just started like branching out and going to like clubs and going to see like DJs and like and going to like music festivals to see DJs and stuff and I kind of was like mm-hmm. well this is actually really cool and like I kind of felt like I was writing a lot of the keyboard parts and the drums and helping out with all like all of the parts in the song I'm like I could kind of just do this on my own like I don't really need anyone else like I just have to figure out how to do this yeah so I started DJing um, after I got, like, a controller and just, like, some friends kind of showed me how to, like, hook it up to my computer and, like, kind of do that <laughs> whole thing. And I was doing that for a minute. And I, I'm, like, thinking, you know, I'm going to start, like, learning how to produce music because I wanted to play, like, festivals and stuff. And all the DJs that were playing were playing their own music, you know. So you right. can't mm-hmm. just – I thought, you know, I can't just keep playing other people's music. I have to learn. So I DJed for a few years, like, before even, like, trying to learn production. Yeah. And then that was like a, a whole other thing. It's like <laughs> Right. Well, no, it's it's awesome that you mentioned that cuz we we've talked to guests who like started in bands. A, okay, a yeah. Lot, a handful a lot, of our yeah. guests started yeah. in bands and then there was that separation of like 
yeah, I think I could just do this on my own, you know? Yeah. And, then, and then I think at that time when production software and then like controllers mm-hmm. became more accessible, yeah. you just walk into a guitar center, get a controller or borrow someone's and then learn how to DJ. Mm-hmm. That seemed to be like, it seems like for you, but for a lot of people, that was like a transitional period where it's yeah. like, oh, now I can be my own, like my own entity. Yeah. Know? In a way, I kind of wished that I learned how to make music like on Ableton and all that before I learned music like how to make it and record it acoustically because Mm -hmm. it was kind of like I had to unlearn everything I knew about like recording and kind of do it the opposite Mm. you know I feel like just recording drums like hooking up the mics and doing all that learning how to do that and actually play drums acoustically and then someone putting like a computer in front of you it's like wait what like it just makes it's just so much harder but I don't know it's kind of for me it was kind of like the drive to keep learning it's kind of like to me it's like music production is like a puzzle and I just want to keep trying to like put in work and keep trying to finish the puzzle even though I know it will never be finished Mm. it's just kind of fun to learn and figure it out you know no absolutely it's a good way to look at it yeah, like it'd be hard to do what you just said, like the unlearning of it. But yeah, 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 but it's it turns out to be fun. It's kind of like solving a riddle or something. It's like you've got to find the solution. Yeah, you know, and like just even d- different things, like you know, like different synths and stuff like that. Everything, just learning everything, has just become like a really fun thing for me. I don't know. Well, I think that that is a good analogy because sometimes producers, you know, it's like a puzzle where. You've been working on it for five hours. It's yeah. late. Mm. There's like all these pieces. There's like 20 pieces left or whatever. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm going to go to sleep. And then yeah. you wake up in the morning and then you like listen back or yeah. you look at it and you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. And then yeah. I can finish it. But Or you listen back and you throw the puzzle away. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I'm done with this yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always a test. If you te- check it in the morning, yeah. what you did last night, you're like, oh my God, this is hot garbage. Yeah, it's <laughs> always the morning this? test. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was I on last night? <laughs> it's weird. You go. You can go into these weird rabbit holes, you know. Yeah. yeah. So for you, it feels like kind of going pa- in, into your past. Like music always felt pretty for sure for you. Is that how it felt for you when you were going through it? Like you knew I mean, you wanted to pursue music. I know that. I know that I wanted to, but I just didn't know that it was an option. Really, you mm. know. Um, I was, you know, doing like various jobs, bartending stuff like that. I bartended for a really long time and. You know, I, I didn't like it. I got over it. I hated it. Yeah. And I just didn't know that, you know, like being a musician could be like an actual job. Because, you know, everyone's like, oh, what what's your real job? Or, you know, you tell your dad like, oh, I want to be like a musician. He's like, cool, get a real job, you know? like. <laughs> yeah. So to me, it was it didn't really feel like an option until I kind of like started being being able to like pay my bills with money that I was making from gigs. Yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute, like I could actually like do this for real, like and like not have to do this other job that makes me feel really bad inside. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's important to listen to that. Yeah. So were you mostly just staying in kind of like the Newport, like that yeah, area? Yeah, mostly Orange first- County in the beginning. There was like a, there was like a few promoters and like clubs like around there and I started playing you know like playing their shows and 
kind of drawing a crowd so they would book me to open for like bigger artists mm. and my sound was kind of like I played a lot of Dirty Bird music and stuff so they started like having me open like anytime there was a Dirty Bird artist in town I would open and that's kind of like how I got like linked up with all the Dirty Bird guys mm. um, but then yeah after a while like in like there's only a f- so many clubs in Orange County and there just weren't enough parties and stuff and I felt like I wasn't really getting booked as much because I started getting like bigger gigs like here like every off so often in like LA and stuff and I stopped getting booked in like my hometown so I'm like I'm just gonna throw my own parties then and book myself uh-huh. since no one's booking me anymore so I started doing that and then that my parties started becoming like bigger and bigger like there were lines out the door and and then like those promotion companies were like well would you want to throw a party with us and I'm like no, why would I do that? Like, <laughs> no, I'm doing great on my own. Yeah. Like, yeah, here you go. Take some of my money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, please. It's like, what's that old thing where it's like the? It's like no one will help help you like plant the seed, but they'll come and eat the bread. Yeah. Like, what's that? What's <laughs> that? Sounds like it. Sounds something like that. I don't know it's about like, who will help me. Bread? I don't know. Bread, yeah. I like that you. Uh, have I forget what the story is. Something yeah. about a chicken. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's like it's kind of one of those things where it's like no one's gonna help you along the way. Yeah except for yourself, you know? Yeah. And once you start helping yourself, I feel like other people can also believe in you. Yeah. So, like, you have to convince yourself and do it for yourself first before other people can really, like, jump on board, you know, and get yeah. behind you. And that's such a good thing to point out because I feel like it is when you hit that either a wall or a low point for people mm-hmm. where, like, you aren't getting the bookings that you want and then you're yeah. like, well, what am I going to do? I'm either going to stop or I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. So, you, so what was the party that you put together um, it was a few. So I, I was doing like theme parties and they were kind of like really janky, like Elro parties. Like I didn't know what Elro was at the time, but yeah. like we shot like confetti and stuff like that. And like Amazing. we would go to like, you know, we would find like pieces of cardboard and I had like a bunch of friends help me like paint all the cardboard and we would make like palm trees and like all kinds of stuff. Oh my gosh. So I think the first one I did was called the Acid Disco and it was just kind of like a trippy like psychedelic kind of like vibe Mm -hmm. and a lot of people came like super dressed up a lot of people came on acid which wasn't the initial plan but like (laughs) I was like like, sure it's in the name I guess and then so that one became like an annual one we would do every year is the acid disco (laughs) and then um there's another one I used to do too called the New Year's Eve redo and it's basically so me and all my friends were like bartenders and servers and just worked in the nightlife and every New Year's Eve we'd always be working, so we would never really get to celebrate. So I wanted to do, like, another New Year's Eve where people that had a bad New Year's Eve, you know, like, you get to fight with your significant other or, (laughs) you know, like— You know, you had to work or whatever, something happens. You know, New Year's Eve is so expensive, and it's so, like— I don't know. There's too much pressure. There's so much pressure. So, like, this was kind of, like, an opportunity for everyone to, like, do it again and have a redo. And we would do, like, the— midnight countdown and everything like that and like champagne toast and everything that's awesome that's a good yeah. idea yeah. yeah so that one that was very like one relatable of the, yeah that yeah. was like one of the most popular ones and i'm actually bringing it back this year what yeah i'm gonna do i'm doing it out in la the week after new year's eve oh that's amazing so cool. yeah oh yeah so if you guys need a redo well, i think a lot of people need a redo <laughs> because yeah. uh, new year's doesn't normally go as planned for most yeah people. everyone has a story sucks. like that. it's yes. one of the worst and it's yeah, like it people there. are paying like $500 tickets to go to some like yep. fancy thing where they get like a free glass of champagne. It's like, yeah. screw that. Like, well, I, we were just talking about how Halloween is like, we it, 
it felt like the Super Bowl of like our industry. It's yeah. definitely like Christmas. Yeah. But I've always mm-hmm. said that like that New Year's is like Black Friday, you know, because yeah. it's like it's purely a money thing for mm-hmm. us, right? A lot of times, and then you know people are booking like three gigs on one day, yeah, <laughs> like flying between it's, different yeah, it's states. Yeah, definitely. And... The DJs like we are everywhere, Marathon, like yeah. on New Year's Eve, because it's like they'll do the same thing last Halloween. They'll do like a whole New Year's Eve weekend, you right, know, kind of right. thing. But like, I feel like the crowd reaction at a lot of New Year's um, things is just not as it's just not the same. It's not as expectations good, are you know? too high for New Year's Eve. Yeah. It's like and everyone's are like, also just this so is fucked it. Up. Yeah, yeah. And they're, yeah, yeah. But everyone's just like, this is it. We're gonna start over after this, and it's just like, <laughs> oh my god, like, wait, yeah. you know, it's just yeah. another day. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It's there's too much pressure, and yeah, everyone. It is a big amateur night too, you know. Yeah. Well, that's cool. You can redo. Well. I think I'll, I'll need a redo. So yeah, uh, that's the other thing. Like it, maybe you drank too much on accident. Exactly. You know, you yeah. prefer it too hard. It's okay, redo it. Redo, redo it. it. Oh my gosh, well, I'm glad you're bringing that back. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of curious, like staying on this, like kind of theme parties. Mm. We're seeing like theme parties in the last couple of years have mm-hmm. like a huge resurgence. Yeah. In fact, I feel like for a lot of clubs and um, promoters, theme parties are keeping them in business. Whereas mm-hmm. like years ago, they would have booked up and coming artists or DJs. Right. Now it's like. Uh, Selena night or like techno night or you <laughs> yeah. know or like Shrek rave Shrek rave <laughs> <laughs> no but like we're in like the golden age of theme parties although a lot of people have bemoaned that like they feel like it's kind of taking away but this is like a big part of your come up so yeah. what's your relationship or what do you think about like theme parties and mm-hmm. like the scene Um, I think right now there is there's a like I don't want to say it's oversaturated, but there are a lot of new DJs and a lot of people right now are like getting into house music and getting into Mm -hmm. electronic music. And there's so much new music out there, like getting released every day that the scene's kind of saturated right now. So I feel like a lot of people, if they want to see a DJ, they can go anywhere, anytime to go see a DJ. So I feel like people are kind of needing something new to bring them into it's like it's not just djs like we also have like this theme or like we have these rides or like you know something because people you know i'm the same way like when i go out i don't want to like just go out like i want to go do something like specific and fun and like you know like oh we all get to dress up like with your friends like it's just a fun thing to do and i feel like it brings people together more too you know because like i don't know everyone's on this whole same like theme vibe you know even if everyone's wearing different stuff or whatever yeah. it's like kind of bringing the people together even more so cool I yeah. Do like that. yeah i do sorry keep no going. no that's that's the end yeah i was gonna <laughs> say i do kind of like it too because i feel like it has something to do with you know the younger generation doesn't drink as much yeah. anymore. so i yeah. feel like it's actually a good thing because i feel like people are a bit more tuned in to like yeah, having a good definitely. time in a different way like not just being like blacked out at a right. club yeah well, definitely I, yeah. We, yeah. I, I, i'm wondering did you feel that way when we did that party at dave and buster's earlier this year yeah yeah well i mean that one i think well that's just an interesting one because i think drum and bass like being a a big thing <laughs> we for people. yeah we bass. did the dnb party at dnb it yeah. was like a, amazing yeah. Yeah. but i was just because valerie was there and then like my, where in the, the in hollywood and buster <laughs> just like in the middle so like actually, by the skee ball machine, yeah. like well, you know, believe much. it or not, in the middle of this Dave and Buster's, they have a huge like DJ booth production setup, and what? they do yeah, they do DJ nights there all the time. Um, Wait, we need to be going to, to Dave and Buster's apparently. <laughs> we can go. Next, it was just that we happened to throw like uh, one with like a like a lineup, you know, and like an actual show. Thanks for the invite. I'm, I'm, yeah, well, yeah, you're, you're coming to the next, one. the next Don't one. Don't worry. But I guess my whole thing on that was like I noticed that people had 
a lot more fun that they didn't have to stand there and look at a DJ, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but they like to be involved. They like to be adjacent to music and, yeah. like, be in. But I think that requiring people to kind of stand and watch or be in a club atmosphere, we've talked about, like, it just feels, it's getting to Sometimes feel a little, it's, yeah. you know. I, I feel like, too, it's like, you know, like, everyone is kind of getting, like, our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. <laughs> right. You know, we have, like... <laughs> Like, all the information in the world is, like, in the palm of our hands, like, literally on our phones. So I just feel like people need a little bit more now. Like, they've seen the DJ thing. Like, we get it. You know, like, they need something a little bit more to keep them entertained. And if, like, the DJ or the music isn't doing that, there's other ways to do that, you know. Maybe making it more immersive or, like, a theme, like we said, to, like, kind of, like, unite people more. But I feel like if... I feel like just a lot of people need something new, you know. Well, that's what I I, I thought that the um, the the Fish Lake uh, show on mm. on Hollywood Boulevard mm. was kind of like transformative in that way, at least. Where yeah. it's like you know, there's people that were like a block away that couldn't even see the stage, but it mm. was just like environmental more, yeah. You know, and I think yeah. that's kind of what people. I, I think DJing is in a really good place right now. Yeah. But like you're saying, they can get it anywhere. Well, and, know, we can, so. and that just ma- allows us to be more creative with the places that we're DJing in mm-hmm. and like the venues and stuff like that. It's like, since maybe people are over clubs, you know, let's do like Hollywood Boulevard. Let's do more stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like people are really into that right now, you know? Like the Times Square thing, the Boiler Room stuff, it's all like super like trendy right now because like people want to see these new interesting ways that we're like, bringing new life into just a DJ set, you know? Yeah, you know what I think it is, too? It's, like, I think since... I feel like we're we're kind of in an era of being over, like, the algorithm feeding us, like, what to listen to or who's mm-hmm. popular. So we look to artists that we know, but, like, now it's a great time for, like, artists like yourself to, like, show off more of your personality mm-hmm. with the events that you're doing or with the themes yeah. or whatever feels right to you. Like, yeah. for example, like, this New Year's, like, redo yeah. speaks so closely to, like, your history, being mm-hmm. a person who, like, spent a ton of time at the club and, mm-hmm. like, worked on all sides of the club and really, yeah. like, knows what people want to enjoy, you know? Yeah, so I and I feel like that's, cool that's the same with um, kind of, like, booking being able to book like who you want to is like mm-hmm. like people can kind of see like your taste and what you like based on the artists that you book as well you yeah. know yeah and also gives you like an opportunity to like kind of put these artists into like a new light and like give them some shine too you know yeah yeah exactly and you mentioned a couple great names that Mm -hmm. i'm familiar with of course like i think anyone in la who's kind of been around the party scene knows the gals that you just mentioned but uh did you meet them and like feel like they were the right people to bring along in Um, the la scene or yeah yeah. you know Alyssa mary drop-ins we actually go way back she i used to book her for my theme parties back in china she's played like a acid disco and a redo party (laughs) before yeah so like we go way back so i'm I'm stoked that she's making music and touring and doing great. Wow, and like, yeah. I'm stoked that ne- we're, we're like working in the studio together now and stuff. I feel like we were, I was kind of busy like touring and stuff and she was too. And now we're like able to like come together yeah. with our, like th- all this newfound knowledge and just like mm-hmm. work together, which has been really cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And then, and then Nala's like uh, one of like my really good friends. Like, I feel like we're like our, each other's like emotional support when mm-hmm. it comes to like touring and just kind of like, being just women in this like male-driven industry so yeah Yeah. we have we have a lot to talk about and like 
kind of vent to each other a lot and then just like try to work out solutions for each other and just help yeah. each other out a lot. So um, similar for you, you know, you said this is like your first headline tour. So mm. to go from being in this like support capacity to doing your headline thing, was that mm. something that was like a long time coming or did it feel like a new kind of era for you? Um, I mean, a little bit of both. I mean, I felt like it was a long time coming. I was like, I'd been touring like since 2018 and then, you know, pretty heavily in like 2019 and then COVID kind of just like put an end to that and then kind of building it up again and like touring a bunch and stuff. And I feel like it has been coming, but it's also definitely feels like a new era as well. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it does get frustrating when you're doing the opening slots all the time. And, you know, I feel like there are some DJs that, you know, we started DJing before we started producing and there are other DJs that produce before they DJ. So like, the, you know, some DJs might or producers might make like a big hit and then they'll get bookings off that. Sure. So they don't a lot of times know what it's like to open these mm -hmm. festivals and yeah. open these clubs and stuff like that. So like they don't really have as much range as other people. Um, cause you know, you really have to know how to work a crowd. You'd have to know how to bring people up and you also have to know how to take it back down. Cause you, you have to make some room for the headliner too. Cause you're just the opener kind of thing. So totally. yeah. I feel like I had been doing that for a while and you know, it kind of was getting a little old for me, but I also understood that I had to do that in order to like kind of show people like what I can do and what I play and for people to get to know me. And like I was slowly, slowly, slowly like moving up on these like slots and on these festivals and stuff. And so, yeah, like doing my headline tour like is I don't know, it it definitely like marks like a new era for me. And I just feel like, I don't know, I feel really accomplished that I got that far, you know? Yeah, I'm yeah. just curious also. I mean, that, that's awesome to hear you describe that. I think mm. that's like a really, I, that's why I always feel like people who were open format or came mm -hmm. from like the club scene yeah. are way more prepared to be headliners mm. in, in that sense that mm -hmm. they can like the nuances of being yeah. a headliner, constructing a set, crowd control, mm -hmm. selection. Um, but I'm curious, like, were there any like challenges when you be on this headline tour that mm -hmm. you never really expected that now, now you're the headliner. Now there's like things that you never really anticipated <laughs> or. Um, yeah, I guess just like kind of like being involved with like kind of like booking like the opening artists and stuff like that. Cause it's like, you know, you'll, you'll have like a list of people you want to work, you want to play with you. And then, you know, there's just a lot of people that are going to say no, a lot of people you can't afford because, you know, you're only making this much money and like what a lot of people don't know is like when you book other artists like the the club doesn't pay them like they're you're paying them out of your money yeah so like a lot of other like a lot of artists you can't afford because you just can't pay them that much because you're not even going to make that much kind and of it's thing. like a balance because like you want to have a good lineup but like you know especially exactly. for a lot of these like um you know, maybe not even the direct support, but like the support act before that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that artist actually isn't even making any money. Like, I, I, I don't mean, think people yeah. even realize like with the travel costs and things like, um, you know, in this current state. Yeah. Like a lot of artists tour to break even. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's like every time I hear someone say like, oh, I'm going to get into DJ for the money. I'm like, all right. Like, <laughs> You're like okay. okay, well, call me after that. five years and let me know like how that goes. Because, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like you like. You know, unless you're like the top touring DJ, like you're not going to be making like stacks of cash, especially like when you're just like coming up and learning, learning like the system, you know, like, yeah, 
yeah, so like, I don't know, like I, it was different seeing that backside of like how to, how booking artists goes and stuff. And, you know, a lot of it's like, you know, oh, I want to book Nola on this one, but she can't announce because she has another show and she's in radius or whatever. So she can't announce till after this date. And then like getting all the flyers mm. and like mm. blocking out the dates. And then, oh, and then like, when can we announce this? It's just like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. But you know, as long as you're yeah. a good team, like it, everything goes smoothly. And I'm like, actually like, so like stoked on like how smoothly it's actually gone. There have been very stressful moments, but like, yeah, for the most part, it's been, it's been going really well. And I'm like, Great. Yeah, really thankful for that. Hey, and, you know, get those spreadsheets going. They, they I know. No, for <laughs> real. Like for <laughs> real. Like, there's some, like, spreadsheets that I'm on. And I'm just like, I don't want to look at this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just want to do the DJ. Yeah. Like, that's not what I said. DJ and music. That's what I want to do. Like, totally. So after a certain point, I'm just like, okay, you guys. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and having a good team in place is really important. Mm. But I, I do like, you were talking about earlier, that family vibe. Let, yeah. let that touring kind of yeah. even if it's just for a few dates i'm like i i walk away and i'm like oh that was like that was like a fun little isolated experience yeah and, yeah. yeah it's kind of nice because you know when i was bartending and having all these other jobs like all my friends were bartenders and we would just talk and like not complain but just like you know it's trauma just, bonding yeah it's just, and it's just <laughs> nice to talk to someone that goes through the same thing as you yeah. so like you know i there are people that I know in, in these tour spots that I go and hang out with and they're my, my friends and stuff, but it's just nice being there with someone that you're having a shared experience with or yeah. that yeah. someone else that understands what you're going through and can relate and you guys can just like talk as like coworkers, like anywhere else, yeah. like in any other kind of job. Yeah. Well, that's why when you said like that, that trio or you guys as a trio mm. doing this tour together, I was like, that must be so nice because yeah. you guys have so much in common in so many ways and just like you said, being women. Yeah. DJs. Yeah. And <laughs> like when I started touring, I feel like even in like 2018, 2019, there were not this many touring women and like producers. And mm. now there are. And like, I'm so stoked on it because it's like, I feel like we have a really fun, cool, like girl gang going on. Yes. Like all the girls are just like, pretty much all together you know yeah. it's not doesn't feel competitive it feels very supportive and very like a sisterhood almost and it's like it's like awesome because yeah. Yeah. that's hasn't happened before and like it's it's just new and it's nice no it's yeah. true we we're, we're also talking about like i feel like diversity is not a novelty anymore mm -hmm. finally in our scene yeah, uh, it just I think feels that's natural. Important. I like too. Yeah. It's like you you didn't have yeah. to go out of your way to be like, I'm going to bring all my girls with me. It's yeah. just it's yeah. like they're it's all amazing and talented and exactly. at the right point in their career, and it just yeah. totally makes sense mm -hmm. as a lineup. Yeah, I I definitely think there could be more diversity on a lot of lineups as yeah. far as like women <laughs> and people of color go. Yeah. but you know, as long as there's other women and other people coming up like that, then we can do our part to help yeah. others too. You know. Yeah. yeah. One other thing about touring that I think doesn't really ever get mentioned that I've kind of noticed is that it's the only time when you're like, I don't know, you're in like um, some random city like Philadelphia on a Thursday, but mm. you can actually spend time with artists and like actually like have good intimate like hangout time because mm -hmm. i always feel like if you're at a music festival yeah and you're in la it's a freaking circus like yeah. no one is actually paying attention to what's going on yeah. and there's just too much there's so much i just yeah. love being in a random city on like a friday night totally you go out get food after or something it's just like those are the times i think that touring is really important to building meaningful connections oh definitely yeah i interact with people a million times 
at our shows backstage in LA and mm-hmm. I don't feel like I could ever and like really connect and mm-hmm. you're definitely not getting lunch. Like yeah. let's be honest. Like <laughs> yeah. you're not doing that lunch if you yeah. say it, you know. So I feel like you know, I've had a lot of good times and like good bonding moments at like festivals, but it's always like it's never like like in LA really. It's usually you know like East Orlando or yeah. like yeah. like Mexico or something like that. But yeah. like yeah, there was one tour stop in um Phoenix that um it was me and Nala we were playing this like where it was like a burning man type of like warehouse place it's um it's a place called Walter Warehouse. it's so freaking sick there's all, all the <laughs> all the burning man cars and art cars oh, are cool. inside it's oh so, that's awesome and everyone's climbing on them. it was really cool but oh. like um Weston ended up being in Phoenix too because he was playing like another club so then like the three of us just went and got sushi together and like <laughs> we all just walked from our hotels and like got sushi and like it was just, it was just a nice experience. It was like a nice dinner that yeah. like we wouldn't be able to have that kind of like quiet, uninterrupted, like bonding kind of time if we were in the club, you know, because yeah. there's just people and then, you know, there's everyone's drinking and it's just, yeah, like you said, it's just such a, it's like a whirlwind almost. You totally. Know? Yeah. Are you good at uh, making music on the road or are you like a need to be at um, home in the studio kind of gal? I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm good at making music in general, but <laughs> I, I, I used to just like start beats and stuff on like airplanes and stuff. But now I feel like I kind of reserve time just to work in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, like the past few years I've been touring, it's was really stressful and really hard for me because in between like touring, like during the week, I would come home and then like be stressed out working in the studio, trying to finish music. Yeah. And having to do, like, laundry and unpack and all this other, you know, social media and all this other stuff. And then booking flights and then have to leave again for tour. And it was just, like, a really stressful time for me. And I kind of figured out this past year, like, I usually take a lot of January off. So I'm like, I'm just going to take January off and that'll be my studio time. And I'll just make a ton of music in January. And then the rest of the year, I'll work on music like here and there, but it's nothing where it's like, I need to finish this song, you know, Mm -hmm. nothing that stressful. So then finish all this music and it comes out like throughout the year. And I feel like that's a lot more conducive for me and my lifestyle and like the way I handle stress Mm -hmm. than like coming home and having to like work on music. So it's stuff like that, just putting time aside, that's easier for me. So, I mean, I don't have a hard time making music on the road. It's just that I prefer to do it when I'm like in the right mind state. So I usually block off time for that. Yeah. But I can, if I need to finish like a remix or something like that, like it's not usually too hard for me. I usually bring like a little tiny, like it's like a micro cord or something mm-hmm. and like just do you know, open my headphones and stuff. Yeah. I can just only imagine because I feel like I'm the kind of person who operates the same way where like yeah. if I know I have other things to do, I can't really mm-hmm. focus on like creative free time space yeah. in my brain. So that's great. That's great that you can like, now that you've done it a couple years. Some, yes. Yeah, it took me, it was a learning process yeah. for sure. Yeah. And like, I think everyone's different. So it's a lot of like trial and error, like what just works for you personally, depending on what kind of person you are and mm-hmm. like, you know, like how you operate, you know? Yeah. So it it's different for every person and you just have to find what works for you. Mm-hmm. And for me, that took like four years, but I'm in like a really good spot right now. So yeah. I feel like I'm going to stick with this program as far as, as it goes so yeah it's been working out yeah it's working (laughs) and then you kind of mentioned that when you started DJing it sounded like you were already kind of in the dirty bird sound universe Mm -hmm. did you ever like was there any deviation from that sound or you really just kind of feel like you found that sound and stuck with it sort of thing um I just feel like 
I kind of just liked house, you know? Yeah. And then I started liking tech house and I just kind of always have stayed in that realm. Like I like to listen to a lot of different music, but as far as like making music goes, like house and sometimes breaks too, but like Mm -hmm. house is just like what comes out and it's just kind of like what just organically what I make. Yeah. So, um, I kind of just try to do that, just try to make what comes out organically. Like, I don't want to force a sound, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be like, oh, I want to make this genre and force myself to do yeah. it because it, I feel like it will sound forced. It sounds yeah. forced. So I feel like I just kind of like gravitated towards that sound just because that's what I liked and that's what organically would come out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because I think of, you know, the the punky rock scene that you were describing mm-hmm. that you grew up with, there's actually a lot of similarities as far as like the weirdness, mm-hmm. I think, of both yeah, of those types of music. And even listening to your, not your most recent single, but your last single, mm-hmm. One Pill, right? Is mm-hmm. that the name of it? Yeah. yeah. And like how psychedelic and like like weird that, yeah. that the sample is that you brought in yeah. there. Um, it's actually yeah. a cover. Yeah. yeah. Tell us more about that. Um, you know, it's crazy. It's the it's for Jefferson's airplane, the original band it's the singer's birthday today oh yeah yeah. happy birthday (laughs) (laughs) but um so that came out I mean I was just kind of wanted to make an edit of that song because I like that old like rock kind of like psychedelic sound you know Mm -hmm. and I just kind of wanted to make an edit and I made it and I started playing it and like Walker and Rice were like you need to finish this like Mm -hmm. this is actually really good I'm like why it's never going to come out like the sample is never going to get cleared kind of thing and um I finished it and I kept playing it out and everyone really liked it. And I sent it to like Diplo randomly and he started playing it. And then so Dirty Bird wanted to sign it. And um, I had this friend when I used to be in a band and like play in bands. I played with this other band called Railroad to Alaska. And they're like this heavy metal band. I was friends with like the whole band. And one of the guitar players, like I still talk to him. I'm like, will you record this mm-hmm. guitar part? Because I feel like I'm going to have to get it re-recorded eventually if it ever comes out just to cover it so he recorded it and like it honestly sounds exactly like the original it's so crazy yeah and then you know we couldn't get the vocal cleared so we had to get it covered and dirty bird kind of sought out somebody that and it sounded really good i didn't have to do too much processing on it wow so the actual song i probably had to remake it like three times Mm which was kind of annoying, but to like replace all those parts and stuff. But, but it, was um, worth it. it was worth it. Yeah. Because a lot of people really like it and a lot of big DJs have been playing it. So I'm pretty stoked on it. Yeah. And I, the big thing for me is that I like to play it because a lot of my music I make other people say they like it. And like, for me, it's like, I don't know <laughs> if it fits in my sets and I don't know if I like it, but it gives me confidence when other DJs are playing my music or I see them playing my music yes. and it gives me confidence to play it in my sets too. So yeah. a lot of people really like this one and they were playing it. So I'm like, okay, I can play it. And then I was playing and I actually really like it. So that's a really interesting kind of like mental journey that you just explained about. It's like, your I'm, own I'm music. such a tortured artist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But it makes but sense. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's hard. I don't know. You're so on the inside when you're making the music. It's like hard to see on the outside. Like, is this actually good? Do people even like this? Like, like it's hard to not s- to see it any other way. So yeah. when you get the validation from other people, it definitely helps like kind of boost my confidence in yeah. my own stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going back to like the puzzle analogy, right? It's like you yeah. finish it and then you kind of like don't want to look at it again. Yeah. Right? You're like, is this is even like, oh, right? Like, is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also I feel like we've had a couple conversations more recently about mm-hmm. how 
the culture of other DJs playing people's tracks to then make it go big feels like it's having a moment in the way that it used to be the way that people discovered music definitely yeah so it's interesting that you're saying even for yourself that's been like a big milestone for like other people to play your music it's it's like one thing for someone to say like oh yeah this song's really good and it's another thing for someone to play it in their sets like every time they dj yeah then it's like okay you really like this song then you know yeah so then it makes you it makes you feel like the crowd it makes you feel like people aren't just saying like oh yeah it's good like yeah. Like in just saying that to you, you yes. know? Yeah. I don't know. It's Prove hard. It. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you like it? Prove it. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Uh, I'm just staying on the Dirty Bird topic. You know, they, they've all obviously been such like a cultural juggernaut in mm-hmm. house music, you know? Um, what are some of the things like working with them throughout the years? Like, what are some of the things that you've seen, like their impact and kind of like, you know, because I, I think we're in a mode right now. Someone has described on a previous episode as like party tech, mm-hmm. but like also like tech house is having, I mean, it's been having a moment like a very, yeah. Yeah. but when we go back to the roots, you know, it's mm-hmm. hard to, you have to throw Dirty Bird in the mix and then mm-hmm. what they've done in cities like San Francisco, yeah. and SoCal, all over the country. So what do you think like their in- input on the current landscape has been? Um, I mean, I think it just goes back to like you said, San Francisco, where like Dirty Bird started it. They started it like with the community and like they started it as like a family kind of like vibe, you know, and like kind of like kept that going with like the campouts and camp ins and all the barbecues that they were doing and stuff like that and kind of made everyone feel this like sense of community and sense of family. And I feel like that's a really important when it comes to like the rave scene and like house music in general, because that's what it was built on. You know, it was built on plur and like community. And and I feel like that is what makes it so special and what makes people have such a big connection with raves and with this electronic music. So I feel like we need to just keep that up too. You know, a lot of people need to be reminded that like a lot of people don't know because there's so many new people in the scene. They don't know the origins and they don't know the history of electronic music and house music. So as long as we keep educating people and people keep learning where the roots are and know that we need to keep that up. I think it'll keep going in a positive direction. Do you think, though, that the community aspect in some of these things is fading? Um, a little bit, but only because there's so many new people that are coming into the scene. And, like, you know, with house music and tech house becoming so popular, of course there's going to be new people that are coming into the scene and they want to go to these parties and these festivals and stuff. And, like, you know, when I started going to them, I was going with seasoned festival goers and people that have been raving, you know, for so long. So they kind of like had taught me the kind of rules not the rules, but like they taught me like the vibes and how it is, you know, and a lot of these new people. I don't know if they have that community like to teach them how it is and like how it was and how it should be. But I feel like if we all keep going as a community, we can all keep learning and keep teaching each other that and keep it, keep upholding it, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. that's a, such a big part of it, you know? Yeah, that's an interesting—I think it's an interesting trade-off for, like, why electronic music is, like—I mean, arguably at an all-time high right now. I mean, yeah. a lot of, like—I mm-hmm. think UTA reported that, um, uh, you know, live events had, like, the best uh, quarter or, like, mm-hmm. year so far in recorded history. Um, I think that extends everywhere from, like, Taylor Swift, probably a big part of it, yeah. all the way down <laughs> yeah. to, like, you know, tech house DJs selling out. Uh, the Palladium Mm -hmm. or, you know, local theme parties, like Mm -hmm. selling out multiple nights at, you know, I like the Belasco, I think 
Club 90s sold out three mm. One Direction tribute nights. You know, yeah. it's like that. That's where There's we are. Right? Everyone, like people yeah. just go yeah. out, right? Yeah. But I do think that, yeah, like you're saying, it's less of that like being ushered in mm-hmm. and more like, oh, I saw this thing on TikTok. I'm going to go. Yeah. Like there's no like. Which is middle. fine because like wh- I feel like that's what we want. We want people to be into house music and tech house and electronic music. Like we're not, we are inclusive, you know. We want the more people listening to house music, the better. Because like I said, it's like sense of community and like, you know, like the plurness of everything. I feel like it would generally improve everyone's life if they listened and were part of the house music scene. So the more, the merrier. But, you know, it also is going to take a little bit of people getting used to it. There are a lot of new people here. So like we kind of just have to like lead by example and I guess just kind of like show people like how it really is. Yeah. It's kind of a good, yeah, that's a good point because I think you're totally right. I do feel like we're in this phase where it's, it is a little oversaturated in Mm -hmm. a way. It's a good thing. I agree that, you know, I'd rather people be listening to tech house and house music than other types of music, Mm -hmm. I guess. But it is kind of nice that in a way it's like the ones who will, who are really into it will eventually discover like the Dirty Birds, like you and like other shows that are happening. Exactly. you guys might not be the very first thing that they find, mm-hmm. but when they get there, they'll be like, oh, like, this is great. I'm going to yeah. stay for a while. I think, like, there's going to be a lot of new people that, you know, that they discover, like, maybe Fisher or John Summit or something like that. Mm. And maybe they go to a few parties and then it, they're, you know, they're just there to party or something and they're done with it after that. But there are going to be some true house fans that are created through that, you know, yeah. just from the popularity of it. So, Well, I mean, there's plenty of people where that's the natural progression, right? They mm-hmm. started going to... Some EDM, like EDM show, yeah, yeah. So, like, Steve Aoki. They, they, they started at Swedish House. We all Mafia. start somewhere. Yeah. We got to start somewhere. They you went know? from yeah. they went from uh, Swedish House Mafia, and then they're now they're at Crossed or they're at Form Arcade, yeah, yeah. Stuff, something you know? like that. But exactly. like, there, there is a good progression, I think. I, I just wonder. I think we're too in it right now to see. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, um, I do think that like it's really great for for you and for mm-hmm. so many DJs and and people to have an actual career now that it doesn't matter how people get introduced, right? Exactly, it's like they're here, yeah. They're here now. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter where, like, where you come from or whatever. Like, Once you're you here arrive, now and that's all that matters. Yeah. yeah, and like like I said, I feel like the more people, the better because that just means we're going to be able to have more events because yeah. there's more need for it, more want for it. Well, there's know? just a constant gatekeeping in our scene. And yeah. I think that people who are complaining about certain aspects, like, we can't have it all. You know, mm. so do you want the shows to do well or do you want like or do you want people who have to like, you know, like also there shouldn't be any gatekeeping, you know, yeah. that's not what that's not why this started. It didn't start because they were like, no, you we don't want you. It started <laughs> because they're like, yes, everybody, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like we don't if people are gatekeeping, like do it somewhere else, you know, <laughs> I love like that. party of one. take it to a different genre. I'm yeah. totally there. I'm yeah. totally there with you. Like all of that. But that was in me through my years of being that guy is just completely gone now. Yeah. And I feel like as a woman, too, like I felt like I've dealt with like a lot of gatekeeping, you Mm -hmm. know, like I said before, I started getting like bigger gigs in L.A. and stuff. And like my hometown kind of stopped booking me. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I felt like I was being gate. You know, they didn't want me to go higher than they were. So they kind of were trying to keep me down. But, you know, you have to find a different way around. If And also. We don't need those people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're like, look what happened. It actually helped you figure out how to be better and bigger anyway. Yeah. And I just, I feel like, you know, that, 
gatekeeping happens in any situation, whether it's like, you know, people don't want to teach other people how to DJ. Now, if people are gatekeeping you, there's other ways around it. Like when I first started DJing and producing, there were not a lot of tutorials and stuff like that online or like, you know, now you can go on TikTok and you can learn how to beat match. You know, you can go on. I I ended up learning everything I know about production on YouTube Mm. because like there's so many production tutorials now. And in the beginning, I like somebody like sent me like some downloaded like videos I like watched and stuff. But like now I feel like you can learn so much. And if somebody's trying to keep you down for whatever reasons they have, like you if if this is really what you want, you find another way. Yeah. yeah, that's just that's you have to, and you have to have that drive and that kind of determination to succeed or else you're not going to get anywhere because there are going to be people left and right that are going to try to keep you down no matter what. Mm. And if you let them, that's what's going to happen. You have to find a way around. That's well, the only it go- way. It goes back to what you're saying about like, you know, for women in the industry and especially what you're describing with your tour, like mm-hmm. there isn't that competitive um, sort of element. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's important because. The, the thing that I hate the most is when an artist is like preventing the younger generation from mm-hmm. also being included because they're afraid of like losing their position. Yeah. See, you know? that's like on them. That's like their own insecurities. Yeah. And like there's room for everyone. There yeah. really yes. is. You know, like like I'm going to play totally different than what Nala plays. Yeah. Yeah. Why should we be against each other? Right. Why shouldn't we lift each other up? You know, yeah. Yeah. like every you're you're different than everyone else in the world. So there's room for all of us. Yeah. yeah. You know? And I also agree. I think it's like especially when an artist is already established, like in every industry, not even just music and DJing. Like I feel like anytime you get to that point, it's actually better for you if you welcome in someone mm-hmm. younger because you end up learning more from them also yeah. just like whether you're teaching them but they're also going to show you like a new perspective mm-hmm. or like whatever it is that the young kids are into yeah you know so I think like that's a really important part as well for like the mentor kind yeah. of figure and I also think too like a lot of people kind of say like you know like fr- from the beginning like you can't really like you know now I'm doing this headlining tour so I was able to like bring who I want for the most part on the tour with me and like other women and stuff like that but like you can't do that stuff when you're starting out because you just don't have like the power to do that really you know like Mm -hmm. you're still trying to like get to that point where you can and I read this analogy a while ago where it it said it's like you can't you can't pull other people out of the pool from drowning if you're in the pool drowning too so first thing you have to get yourself out of the pool and then you can start helping people out yeah. So I feel like that's kind of what I had to do is like, you know, get to this point where I'm have I get to have my own headline tour and pick the artist so then I can start helping other artists as well. Even though I'm not like, you know, the biggest touring like headline DJ ever, but I still mm-hmm. want to like help as much as I can and do my part because, you know, other artists have done that for me as well. Like Dirty Bird, like Claude, Walker and Royce. Justin, all those guys have like, you know, booked me on their shows and yeah. stuff like that. So it's like, I want to do my part to help people too, you know? Yeah, it has yeah. to happen at every level. Like yeah. it can't just be the biggest artist, you know, it, it has to start. It would be great though. That'd be great. <laughs> Imagine that. Well, that's why I was having this conversation about, you know, like it goes back to Skrillex in like his GOAT conversation is always like, whenever there was a comparison 
like mm-hmm. that there was an artist coming up that was like him mm-hmm. and Skrillex instead of like shutting it down usually would just collab with that artist mm-hmm. you know or like yeah. he'll put on these like very fringe edge kind of artists at a very important time yeah. kind of blow them up honestly but it yeah. doesn't affect his own yeah it only it only helps him it only like brings I feel like everyone all the up, greats you know? do that like yeah claude von stroke does that all the time all he, the you time. know with me nola like all these the artists that do that are secure in their selves and the music they make and stuff like that they're not they're like they want to help people and they want to use like their spotlight to help people yeah. and they're not insecure they're not thinking that like someone's going to take their place because their place is their place someone else's yeah. place. like no one's going to take your place do you know yeah. what i'm saying like yeah. Yeah. yeah that's great that you're in that position where you can actually help people though. as much as i can i'm trying I mean, yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> i think you're doing a great job i mean and it's and it's not really like i feel like it's not like really like it's not like helping people like this like i just believe in these artists yeah. i love their music and i like them as people and i yeah. want to hang out with them too so it's like it it's all just kind of fit. fits in totally. yeah yeah well it's just like if you I think it helps too because i think you came from like an authentic position of you know even just being a bartender in a nightclub mm-hmm. space or a club space like you see the whole operation and what it takes so like you understand kind of. i mean you feel like, like a, you understand <laughs> i feel like a, at least more than like someone who maybe had never been yeah, in definitely. those spaces and only went to stage and like only saw themselves on the stage sort yeah, of thing that's like that's true you kind of get to see like the inner workings of yeah and stuff. then putting on your own parties then you understand like all the work that goes into putting on even just one show yeah but and you, i feel like too it makes you just appreciate it more yes like, exactly like knowing that I started from the bottom and like worked really yeah. hard to get to where I am is I feel like the reward, the the journey is also part of the reward, Absolutely. if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like it would be hard to appreciate it as much if you just kind of got thrown into it right away. If you're, you yeah. just get thrown, you're like DJing to massive crowds. Exactly. Like, Cause you it's have hard to appreciate that if you don't start by DJing empty rooms, you know? Exactly, yeah, because you've DJed to, like, you know, 10 people, and you're like, okay, one day the room will be full, and yeah, now the room exactly. is full. And so, well, yeah. Also, that first failure hits way harder. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, a failure will, will always hit hard, but <laughs> yeah. I feel like, you know, there's no learning unless there's failure, right? Yeah. yeah. You, don't, you don't learn from being successful at every single thing you do the first time, you know? Yeah. Learning and growing comes from from failure so yeah yeah i feel like you need to fail in order to succeed if you know yeah i mean it's interesting because you were describing like your time doing the bartending and all mm-hmm. that stuff is it sounded kind of hellish but i was like, the it, meanest bartender <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> it's kind of necessary though i was so over it i was like what do you want <laughs> <laughs> tell me what you want <laughs> oh my god it was so mean no i mean uh but it's important yeah, it's kind of it's so weird because it's like that. That's just like so. So it is. You said in, integral is an integral part of your yeah. career. Yeah. You know, but yeah, yeah, you wouldn't want to go through it again. But it had to have happened. Look how kind far of, you right? come. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, you know, who, who wants to like play to empty rooms all the oh. time? You know, <laughs> at a certain point, like it does, it get you know, it does get hard and it does break you down. But you just have to know it's. Hopefully, it won't always be like that. You know? Yeah, no, yeah. Definitely. I remember when I used to invite people to my shows, and like fifty people would show up total throughout like a six-hour show, uh-huh. and I would go up to each individual like, person that came, like, "Hey, 
Thanks for coming. I'm so sorry. I know people are going to, more people are going to come, you know, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. like going through that experience. I know like, it's like awkward and like embarrassing and like yeah, you yeah. go through like, I don't know. It's like, it, it really is putting yourself out there and like, yeah. it really does take a lot of courage. Mm-hmm. And like, even just like when I wanted, I decided like, I want to be a DJ. That's what I want to do as a career that's my dream that's what i'm going to chase even just telling people that yes. i was like so yeah. embarrassed and like because <laughs> yeah. i just thought people would be like oh that'll never happen or something like yeah. that you know well did you feel like people genuinely supported you at first um i feel like yeah i feel like a lot of my friends really did but i feel like you know there were a lot of people that were just kind of like okay let's <laughs> see about that kind of thing you know yeah but you know i i was lucky enough to have a lot of friends that believed in me and even if they didn't believe in me they were like you do it you know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. sometimes that's all you can ask for is yeah just the exactly at least they threw a like on the something. facebook post and then yeah, uh, yeah and of course they want they you know they would want to come and stuff whether it was yeah. to see me succeed or to see me fail either way they're still in the room <laughs> but so you did notice <laughs> that oh the gosh. that the support was a lot more uh probably vocal once you did make it you know I'm i sure. mean i don't i don't Made what? Made what? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, at least even started to do something, right? Yeah. Because... You know, I have a lot of a lot of like old friends I haven't talked to in a long time, and they'll like message me on Instagram or something, be like, "I really like this new song. Like, Aww. I see you out there like grinding, like Doing keep it, it up and yeah. stuff." Honestly, and it's yeah. like it's really nice. Like, yeah. and like I, I don't know. I just feel like even if they didn't believe me in me in the beginning, and maybe they still don't, they're kind of like, "All right, like I see what you're doing." Like job like yeah keep it up like, I mean I think the older you get at least I feel this way it's the older I get the more I'm just like happy when people try something like yeah, whether or not definitely. they succeed at it I'm like it's hard to do stuff nowadays yeah. so it's like and I think the older yeah. you get too you you get less uh you're you're like okay this person wants to be a DJ like do it go for like, it yeah like who's what, stopping you like why would you ever tell anyone to not follow their dreams it's yeah. like and I feel like when you're younger, you don't really understand how, like, maybe, like, someone says, like, I want to do this and, like, laughing how that, it's like, oh, whatever. like, that might not be a big deal mm-hmm. to you. But, like, growing up, like, being older, you kind of see, like, how stuff like that can actually be detrimental to someone, yeah, you know? Yeah, totally. So, like, yeah. I just kind of, like, you know, I always just feel like just support people. If that's what yeah. they want to do, like, it's not going to hurt you in any way. So just let them do it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've kind of started hinting at things that you're up to i mean your tour is almost over mm-hmm. you're planning a new year's redo party redo. which is very this exciting. is like the first time i've announced it i know i'm excited <laughs> hey, to i'm hear putting this. it on the couch. i love this yeah put it on the couch yeah <laughs> so tell us what else is coming for you in the next year which is very soon now um well um yeah like you said i have my it's like the end of my my tour mm-hmm. i have like two more stops it's dc and austin and like next weekend or two weeks and then um See, after that, I have just more music coming out. I've got some music coming out on, I don't know if I'm supposed to say, but I would do <laughs> She music. has new music coming. <laughs> new music coming. <laughs> Lots of new music. And like, I know my tour's over in like a few weeks, but I'm not gonna, I'm not done touring it. So yeah, I'm doing. Yeah, I was going to are you taking a break or like how? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> Straight back I'm to gonna it. I'm going to be doing like, I know I'm doing like a big thing in Vegas with Chris Lorenzo Fun. for like Formula One, like. They're like closing down Vegas. Yeah. I don't know what it's gonna be like, but it, I feel like it's gonna be kind of cool. If yeah. it's F one, it's gonna be popping. Yeah. yeah, I think it'll be and cool. And that's soon. That's mid November time. Yeah, right? that's yeah. mid November. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then I think I'm gonna be doing some tour dates with uh, Walker and Rice. They just announced like a big tour and like a ton of new music. So I'm gonna be going on tour with them in a few stops. Ooh. 
And yeah, just hitting up a few more stops and then uh, I think Groove Cruise in January that I'm excited for. Fun. It's and my then, first Groove Cruise. <laughs> I love it. I love a rave cruise. Yeah. They're scary, but they're fun. I know, right? It's going to be a lot. <laughs> so the new music that's about to come out, mm-hmm. is this stuff, stuff that you worked on recently? Or like you said, like you have like times that you kind of make music. I and- probably started it like in January last year. Oh, wow. And yeah. just like finished it like throughout the year, like okay. finished all this stuff throughout the year and just kind of like had been stacking them up. So mm. this one I did probably like, I don't know, I want to say like six months ago or mm-hmm. something like that. Fin- like fully finished it maybe like four months ago or something. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be good. It's like 90s dancey vocals. Like, mm. So, yeah. Very fun. Yeah. That must be a trip to, like, work on something and then kind of, like, shelve it for so long. I feel like it never gets, like, fully shelved. I, like— Playing it out, maybe? Pick at it. Yeah. Play it out. Test it. Mm. Do some tweaks, you know, like, oh, this, like, you know, I didn't get the reaction I wanted. I'm going to change the drop a little mm. bit. Like, stuff like that until it's, like, fully, fully done. Yeah. And then, and then just playing it out a bunch. So I feel like it never, like, gets, like, you know, put on a shelf and, like, gets put away, away. Yeah. So I feel like it's, like, oh, I'm always, like, working on it. But um, I'm I'm excited for people to hear it and see what they think. Because it's not, like, I don't know. I feel like my music's kind of everywhere. Mm. Like, this last one I just put out is, like, really techno-y. And then this one's going to be, like, really, like, 90s house vibes. So I'm curious to see what people think. But I hope they like it. And, yeah. Yeah. I feel like people are down for a little variety now. Yeah, I think anyways. so, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then 2024, you're going to be still on tour, right? Yeah. Yeah. Still fully Forever. out there. It's not going to stop. <laughs> it's not going to stop. And then when it does, you'll get a dog. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. There you go. So when I'm like 50. <laughs> that's a perfect time. Hey. Yeah. A little, a little crusty white dog. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> <With> like, <laughs> I saw people were doing that as a Halloween costume too. A last minute crusty white dog. Epic. <laughs> Well, amazing. Thank you for stopping by. Yeah. Excited for all that you have coming up. Thank and uh, good luck with the rest of tour. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope Thank I, you for being here. Hope I stayed on topic. Oh, it was perfect. <laughs> it, was perfect it was just the topic. right amount on topic. <laughs> okay, <Yay>. great. <laughs> uh, shout out Icon Collective for having us, Jose, on the ones and twos. Thanks, Jose. Thanks, Jose. All right, we'll see you soon. Bye.